I've not watched Lower Decks yet. Uh, me either. So, uh, that's fine. We won't talk about it because neither of us have seen it. I did watch. Well, should we just start the podcast? Hello. Why, hello? Yes. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> um, we're starting a podcast. Yeah, but you know, it's not like this is some kind of new podcast that you've never heard from before. It's just just this is a subspace transmission. I will transmit to you that I watched I think I mentioned it maybe on the main pod, but we could talk about it for a minute. I watched that documentary, that Deep Space Nine one. Yeah. Uh, I I've I don't know who recommended it. I I certainly found it on YouTube with ads for free, and that was a nice way to watch it. I watched it with ads through Prime Video. Okay. I think. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it was good. It was good. It was an interesting way for them to frame it, right? The idea of like, well, what if we were going to bring everyone back? What would it be like, right? And then the, you know, then go on and reminisce about the series and everything they'd done and accomplished and so on. I, I think that um, what we left behind. There we go. Uh, yeah, right. Eisen, That's the name of it. Yeah, Aaron Eisenberg was still alive when they did that, and they killed his character, and he was upset uh, about it. Yes, I believe that's true. Uh, and then you know it comes to be like, oh, jeez, what a what a downer to watch that segment of the the documentary where you're like, oh no, yeah, gosh, poor guy. Um. It was interesting. I was glad they got everybody. They literally got everybody, you know. Mm-hmm. Then they had old interviews with Rene Aubergineau and um, a lot of other people. It was cool. Yeah, I liked how Again, much like- they had Ducat's actor on there because it's not a perspective you would normally get from like the character actors, right? Yeah, for sure. It, it, like Ducat in particular, because while he shows up a bunch in the beginning. And then a bunch more at the end of that show. And he's peppered in, you know, throughout. But you don't see a ton of Ducat all the time. He's not like a, you know, he's not a main actor. Although, you know, like the wider Star Trek Deep Space Nine canon or whatever, he's pretty prominent. Like he does a lot more guests. Oh, absolutely. Read some books and he's uh, he's everywhere. Yeah. But it's uh, it's interesting that he's, uh, that they got him. And I'm glad because it's interesting to hear his opinion about it. How, how much he hated doing the makeup and all that stuff. And just in general, how much more he wanted his character to be, how much more he wanted his character to be. And yeah, he had grand plans there. Yeah. I like the, uh, uh, Kira Norris was like, if you make him marry anybody in my family, I'm quitting the show. Yep. <laughs> like I will leave. I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah, but you yeah. were right. Uh, I think you said uh, Rick Berman was a character. I think it was Rick Berman, right? Or was maybe... Rick Berman is the producer, right? Right, the guy with the purple beard. Oh, uh, Ira Bear. Ira Bear. That's that right. That guy's Rick a Berman's character. The other one. Yes. Rick Berman is the, the straight lace one. Rick Berman is the suit on that show. Yes. Yeah. Ira Bear is the not Ira suit. <laughs> Ira Bear. 
Yeah, that's a character. He was definitely playing a character of himself in that instance, right? I you think. assume. I I have to assume. Yes. If I don't assume, my brain might not be able to handle it. Yes. Um, there you go. I think if you really uh, love Deep Space Nine, you should watch it. If you don't, you could probably leave it. Yeah, I think that's the important takeaway is what we left behind is great. If you are a big fan of Deep Space Nine, if you're not, this isn't going to change your mind or tell you anything you probably care care about. about. Yeah. Yeah, So you can just skip it. All right. Well, let's get into it today. Have you picked your favorite phaser? Uh, Well, I I don't think it's this one. Oh, did I get it mixed up? Okay. You have your pod and I'll have my pod and we'll meet in the middle somewhere where we come to the phasers we hate from Star Trek 2009. Oh, Okay. (laughs) <laughs> gosh uh hmm oh so, man okay, okay so how many different okay, how many on, different ones did you eat okay go back yeah uh were, were you talking about phasers here for a second or no because i was just about to say what the actual episode was <laughs> oh i mean like i just i was just gonna say how many different phasers did you even count i didn't like think to count that many. i i actually um i noted noted here in my notes that I do not believe, and I wasn't going to go back and confirm it, but I do not believe we see a Federation phaser actually fire until the very end of the movie. Ooh. The Romulan disruptors get fired on the, um, I mean a handheld phaser, not not a ship-based phaser, right, by the right, way. Right, 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 right. We're talking um, about the... The Romulan disruptor get fired on the on the drill, but I'm pretty sure the Federation phasers do not get fired until hand phasers do not get fired until inside the Romulan ship at the end. Does no one? Yeah, I guess not. I was trying to think like any of that time where Kirk and Scotty beamed on board the ship. Is it there? They they pull them out, but they don't fire them. Yeah, I, I was trying to like. Because you see that, like, uh, there's a close-up of one at some point, right? Where, like, oh, he pulls it out and then switches it off stun and the thing flips around. That's on the ship at the end. Because he has to stun the guy so that he can mind meld him and find out where everything's at. Right. Yeah. Yeah, sir. Yeah, you must be right. All right. Let's talk about the most important character in Star Trek. Tyler Perry's Admiral Barnett meets Medea. I mean, let's talk about what we're actually talking about. We are talking about J.J. <laughs> Abrams's Star Trek. 2009 Star Trek. Yes, the, re- J. J. the first Abrams. reboot. I have, a, I have a theory that once we're done talking about this movie, we're going to talk about. But it involves okay. the fact that this is not J.J. Abrams's movie. I'm going to blow despite your mind the fact at that the he, end. Despite the fact that he directed it and his name's on it. Yep. I'll blow your mind at the end. Okay. So stick around, people. I guess so. We'll have to wait for that. <laughs> uh, and this is the beginning of the so-called Kelvin timeline, right? Yep, the Kelvin timeline. And boy, does my head hurt trying to figure out how this all works. I think it works poorly, is the answer. I think it doesn't work at all, considering the way that Star Trek handles time travel versus alternate universes. So are you saying that this is a... So you're saying following 
Star Trek's own logic about time travel stuff, this shouldn't have worked? Following Star Trek's own logic about time travel, this should not work. So, save the whales. Right. They go back in time and steal whales. Yes. According to that movie, according to this movie, everything after Star Trek Four would be a different timeline and an alternate universe. Hmm. According sure, to the because- logic of this film. Not according to the logic of every TV show that they've no, done. No, no, no. Only if, only if the time loops end differently. What do you right? mean? Right. If every instance of the time loop causes... This is why you don't do time travel. Well, yes, right it is. You're right. You're correct. But I was going to say, if every instance of the time loop ends with the Enterprise succeeding and coming back with the whales, then there's no reason to bifurcate in the future. Like, there's no split in the timeline. Like, you've closed all the loops, right? But, like, there must be some loop somewhere where Kirk or Scotty or someone got shot in San Francisco, and then right now, now there's a there's so, split, right? So anyway, the whole point has, is, this is why you don't do time, time travel. Star Trek has always been very clear when it's time travel that the the main timeline we're in is the timeline we're in, right? And, like, so this has always happened if something happens, because it has to have always happened. Otherwise, we'd be in a different reality right okay yes yeah 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 right so every time they do time travel they're pretty clear about that um except for this movie where they say time travel is responsible for splitting a timeline versus uh when you watch the shows and it's like aha now we are in the mirror universe we have moved over somehow right and so like i've had this argument like five or six times with people that don't watch a lot of the star trek stuff and they're like this is great it's perfect it's wonderful and it's like this to movie me, yeah uh yeah in terms of the the timeline thing where it's like oh we'll see because he went back into the past and he changed it and it's like i'm frustrated because this does not fit the way that people have been told have told me it fits and when you do science fiction the rules have Matter. to stay static so that people don't this is the this is the problem with the the my problem with the hyperdrive thing from star wars right if the rules mm. can change then then the universe doesn't matter. Right. Uh, and you can change your rules per universe. That's fine. And so, like, to me, to me, uh, one of the biggest arguments I've had with people is, like, they did this to reboot, right? They said, okay, it's a reboot, yes, but it's... it's Intentionally, a, right? Yeah. It's a reboot. And therefore, instead of just rebooting, we've now tied it back to the other one by saying it's an alternate timeline or something like that. Right. I, I think... Th- getting to the core of my dislike of parts of this movie is because they tied it back to the universe of Star Trek. If they had just done a like completely untied thing, right? Nimoy never shows up in this. They invent some other thing or even they don't invent some other thing and they still have a person time travel back, but it's from their own universe instead of the other one. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. don't have the person who travels back in time be Nimoy. Just have it be some guy. Or yeah. even have it be Nimoy and just say, this one isn't connected to the old one at all. Some other random stuff happened in the future. Mm-hmm. Like, it would have been fine. Because, yeah. like, if they wanted to reboot it, just reboot it. Don't tie it to the stuff that happened before at I've all. Said, I've said that exact phrase to somebody before. If you're going to reboot something, just let it, you know, make sure it can stand on its own two feet. And I think if this story 
if if they want this story is a like pretty standard Star Trek kind of a story, right? This is a, a very standard a, Star Trek story. There's a time traveler. He screws some stuff up, out attacking people for reasons. You find out the reason why. You blow up the ship. Everyone's happy, right? Kirk and Kirk and Spock have to go be heroes away from everybody else on the ship. It, it's yeah. This is not only and it, that story not only, would have been fine as yeah. its own thing. It didn't need the tie back. To other, it was still recognizable as Star Trek by the fact they had the ship called the Enterprise. They had Starfleet. They had all that stuff, and like they gave it a new coat of paint because they were rebooting it. Yep. They could have just done that, and it would have been fine. Yeah, you could even still have Nimoy do the cameo as the guy, or as the uh, you know, as the guy who travels through time. I I thought they but they not have them- it be tied back to old Star Trek. I I thought it would have been genius to have him do a uh, cameo as Sarek instead. Oh yeah, that would have been cool. You know, when they said he was in it, I was like, "Oh, cool, maybe he'll play Sarek. And uh nah. Which is it's fine. I mean, it's the movie they yeah, made. Fine. It's the movie we have and we're talking about it because they've connected it to the universe and uh and like it to be maybe fair, more so than right? you think, JJ. Well, we'll see, I guess. Mhm. Um so let's talk about the film on its own and we'll get to yeah. some other stuff. Uh Right off the bat, when the movie opens, I realize why I tolerate this film. Okay. It is because Mike, Michael Giacchino is maybe my favorite composer of all time. Mm, the music. It the is music real good. is stunningly good and makes many good. moments in this movie much better uh, than they are and makes the good mo- moments in this movie really good. Like when uh, we get to meet George Kirk at the beginning and his sacrifice that he makes, uh, that scene is very powerful because of the music that is written for it. I mean, it's also a very good scene, I think overall, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I was going to say when this movie came out, you know, my impression of it was generally positive. I want to say, yeah, I'm, I, didn't, I, 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 I watched I, it. I didn't hate it okay. at the time. All right. Uh, I, I didn't love it, but it was like, ah, oh, this was a fun thing. It's its own thing. They've kind of set it off over here as its own thing. Um, even if I, you know, again, didn't necessarily all the way agree with the way that they did that even back then, but at least it was, you know, they were very clearly being like, look, this is now not going to be the, all the rest of the Star Trek stuff is its own thing. And that's still over there. We're doing this new thing over here. Yeah. And, I know, accepted it, okay. it for what it was. Yeah. I mean, it yeah. just, the, uh, the time travel stuff got in the way of full enjoyment for sure. And, uh, and a little bit of other stuff later, but <laughs> right off the bat. So we said, I said, I wrote down that I love the music in this movie and before any other note in here, God, I hate lens flare. <laughs> yeah. I was just going to say, when are we going to talk about the elephant in the room, which is the lens flare? I don't know. In not every shot, but darn close. Why, if you're in space near a star, would you not have already polarized the view screen? Polarize the view screen, Andrew. <laughs> polarize <laughs> the view screen. Polarize how are the, the okay? Screen. So that shot. How are they right? not all blind? How is not everyone else in there blind? All the people sitting in that bridge. If you look behind the captain when that first shot happens, yep, he's facing away. All the rest of them are staring right at it. Yep. But they're, it's How not are polarized. They not all blind. <laughs> oh, 
unbelievable unbelievably dumb just so we could have the the screen blown out and have lens flare everywhere god uh and, and well it's like yeah. every shot of something in space you get yep. it yep. every like uh, not every shot the- because there's one shot late in the movie that i wrote down that i said this shot has no lens flare and it's gorgeous <laughs> okay fair uh, i didn't I, I didn't take note because i was too busy being annoyed by all the other shots i'll, I'll tell you when it. we get there but uh yeah the other thing we have to talk about early in this film is uh kit and i kit from carbon scoring uh if you listen to our other sub pod mostly about star trek this week about marvel you meant mostly about star, star wars. wars yes and this week about marvel um Kit and I don't see eye to eye very much on J.J. Abrams, um, and I respect Kit and his opinions. But one thing that I often cite in my dislike of much of Abrams's films is his aesthetic. One, the lens flare. Yeah. Uh, and two, obviously he doesn't work the camera, per se. But the way that he wants his cinematographers and DPs to shoot is extremely frenetic. The camera and the people yeah. and everything else are whirling around all at the same times in disorienting yep. fashions with no, never an establishing shot ever. So some of the biggest problems I have with this movie in terms of it as just it, the movie that it is, is that the action is hard to follow. And it's a problem not just with this movie. Uh, but other Abrams stuff, right? He did Cloverfield. It's impossible yep. to tell what's going on in that movie. Semi-intentionally, I believe. But also, like, it still is impossible to tell what's going on. Yeah. And it doesn't... And then it was a kind of a, an aesthetic for a while in maybe the, like, late aughts and early 2010s. There was a lot of these kinds of action movies where they would just be constantly whip panning and cutting and then whip and cut and cut and su- and like you know flash cut jump cut spin around cut it just like all the the action scenes were like unfollowable and that was like popular at the time i guess mm-hmm. makes all of those movies impossible to watch um when you're used to like something like extremely well choreographed in terms of its action like a john wick movie you go like I can follow everything that has happened in this fight scene from beginning to end. It's very clear. In this yeah. other, in this J.J. Abrams movie, a bunch of people are shooting each other from I'm not exactly sure where, and also where we are in relation to them. Are they like right over there or like the other side of the room? It's not clear. How big also, is the bridge? What direction are we pointed? Who's yeah? How, where is this ship even? Where am I on the ship? Nothing makes any sense. And yeah. Yeah. How big is the bridge is my, you know, like, but the most disorienting part about it, I think, is because until this movie was made, Star Trek had action, but, but the, the pacing of a Star Trek movie or TV series or every, they're very methodical. They're all about the story of what's happening. And because of that, the camera work is different entirely. And so like, you have to prepare yourself not only for the J.J. Abramsness, but also for the action movie decisions that are made. And it was very clear from the onset almost of this movie that they wanted to make an action movie. And it was going to be set in a Star Trek universe. Mm-hmm. It's not a Star Trek movie with some action elements, right? Right. And again, we got to, you know, we got to 
deal with what it what is as opposed to what we want or what could be yeah it's just and it's funny because be- they tied it to the main timeline we have to talk about it yeah well i mean you know we probably would have ended up talking about it at some point anyway even well, if they had it is the first of the movies on my ranking sheet now it's in first and last place yeah i mean the only place makes it <laughs> automatically yeah uh but you know, it's so the whether they intentionally uh, – I'm sure it was intentional. Whether people understood at the time that the intent was to move towards this more like blockbuster-type action movie format that mm-hmm. has become way more prevalent with Marvel movies and now basically every movie where you have to have like an action scene every 10 minutes or the audience gets bored mm-hmm. uh, kind of movie making. Like this was clearly a precursor to all that stuff, right? Absolutely, like, yeah. They were, they were going from a direction of the old Star Trek movies, right, where yep. – you know, Nemesis even uh, was more actiony than the one before it, than the one before that, than First Contact, and then before that, and then before that. Right? You go back to the old, uh, you know, Star Trek six and five and four, and those were like snooze fests compared well, to. You know, I was thinking about like, I was thinking about music, and I was thinking about pacing and everything else, and I didn't think about it until this. We were watching this last night, and it was like, you know, Star Trek. And I know uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey is also responsible for this, but there are more Star Trek movies than there are 2001 A Space Odysseys. Um, yeah, I mean, there's one of yeah. those, and there's ten or whatever. Star Trek is very responsible, I think, the movies, for setting a continued space tone in terms of its pace and its musical mm-hmm. like setting. You know, the deep bass tones and, like, long establishing shots with twisting objects and stuff. They really set that up, especially in, like, Khan. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How many times is there just a picture of the Enterprise orbiting a planet in Star Trek II? Uh, Yeah, or, like, like, 50. Or just, like, the, the wide shots of, like, this ship is chasing that ship. And the pace at which it happens in those movies versus this one, like... Oh yeah, it's just like not it's even comparable, right? The way that, but it's more like the way that people make space work, right? Like either things move very fast or they move pretty ponderously. Very, yeah, yeah. Because of the gigantic distances, right? So well, like, and, and this movie chooses to have the small space where everything moves very fast and fires all the lasers and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Whereas the old ones typically, Which, you, you know, know the, the thing that could never happen in a movie Discovery like this, now has this aesthetic, right? Oh yeah, it totally does, hundred percent. Yeah. It, the thing that could never happen in this aesthetic is the, was it Star Trek three? Oh God. Which one is it? Where, where they're like, they know they're out there, they're cloaked. And there's this tense scene where they're just like, Oh, five. You're talking about, you're talking oh, is, about, is it five? Christopher Plummer. One? Yeah. Where they're, where I, they're trying where to they're, get, they're get trying to get to the chance. They're trying. That's six. Star Trek six, six. Yes. Six is the one with the chancellor. I'm just trying to, uh, there's a scene where they're standing on the bridge. They know they're listening to their communication. So they have to communicate in code. Oh, that's two. That's when Khan's listening. And he says, he says, I'll be ready in six days, five hours, whatever. And it's actually like six hours. Right. Right. Yeah. Star Trek two, when they're stuck inside the Genesis cavern. Yes. And, where it's this, it's this tense scene of like we the audience don't know what's going to happen right but you know they're they're relying on the 
so and then, uh, yes and the no, other, because we're actual, told what's going to happen uh, at the end of it, right? Like, we, we get worried that, like, oh, man, it's going to be six days. They're going to be stuck down there. The movie starts to go further on, and then then they get communicated, right? And the communication is, we're ready. It's like, uh, wait, what? And then we, as the audience, are then explained, oh, no, we, we were. this is the this was code. We were talking in code versus the end of this movie where like our plan's going to work. What's our plan? No one says because they said it off screen. Why did we say it off screen? Right. So we could surprise you as the audience. Yes. It's like, we don't get the moment of like Kirk and Spock working together to make a plan because we have to have the surprise warp in of the enterprise to save the day. That was always planned in the plan. Or I don't remember if it's six or three where there's a tense scene on the bridge and Kirk and Spock are both there, and they're trying to figure out, we know there's a cloaked warbird out there. We want to shoot it with a photon torpedo. Oh, We're that's not six. sure exactly where, he, where they are. Where he says, Doctor, would you like to join me in uh, performing surgery on a torpedo? Right, at the end of it, yeah. 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 And But the, they, but meanwhile, we've had this, like, you know, before they get to the, the idea of that plan at the end, right? There, There's this tense scene where they're like, we can't move. We sort of have to sit right here yeah. and have this tense moment because the warbird is out there somewhere. Yeah. We're not sure. And we got to be, you know, we have to be ready in case something happens, but we're not sure. And we're low on power and all this stuff. And it, you could never have a scene like that in the action sequences in, in this movie because as soon as that warbird shows up, it's going to be explosions and gunfighting and, you know, the ships zooming around each other, shooting lasers. And that's just not the kind of action scene. You know, you, you can't have that kind of tense moment in a movie like this. Right. And, you know, it's a different movie, I guess. Um, I think, but I think I, it's more interesting to me because the, that is that version of this, uh, the Star Trek six version is like, Oh man, they got hit with a torpedo. Like, Look at the damage to the Enterprise. Look at all the people that got hurt. Look at and you, every piece of damage that happens to those ships in all of those Star Trek movies, all the way through until about Nemesis, where it was just like, let's blow it up again. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but like, especially like, you know, early on, every little bit of damage that happens to those ships is is something to focus on. Or when the torpedo goes through the saucer, and it's like, whoa, that's yeah. crazy. And but, they have like a really sweet model shot of the torpedo like blowing a giant hole in it, and yeah. yeah, the Enterprise in this has everything you know like damaging and ripping through it and hitting it, and then like the next scene later is like no damage to the ship again, or like you or everyone has decided to not talk about it. It's like oh, casualty report. We don't ever hear that, <laughs> you know. Yeah, like, well, except we, for we when McCoy hear, like, is promoted to head medical officer because Deck Six got off, hit, and it's like okay, well, where's off, the damage off screen? By the way. <laughs> I think it happens six, six on not hit. It happens on screen. screen. It happens on screen. Does the doctor yeah. dying happens on screen. Uh, you don't see the doctor exactly, but that room is the oh, room that okay. McCoy is reporting from later. See, I don't think I even connected those two things together. Uh, I don't know. It's how only because I've have. seen this movie like four times, trying to decide if I like it. I watched it twice in the last couple of weeks, but apparently that wasn't enough. Yeah, I mean, you know, whatever. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's keep moving here. Um. So that, you know, okay, so we get, then we get to Spock eventually after the opening scene. Right. The only comment there is I, I like Sarek in this universe better than in the Discovery universe. <laughs> well, hard, hard agree there. This Sarek actually like 
seems fatherly. I like that this Zarek is much more like... I, I mean, logic says that, like, you should do these things, but logic also says that you're my kid, so whatever you choose to do is fine with me. You know, it's like... You know yeah. what I mean? And he, yeah. he gets in trouble for beating a kid up at school. He's like, yeah, you have human emotions, man. Like, I get that you're upset. They talked crap about your mom. Like, yeah, that's it, the know, response. Like, He's like, you can choose to do whatever you want to do about it. Go ahead. I don't care. Yeah. The, this version of Sarek actually being cool with Spock making his own decisions as a human and Vulcan together you yeah. know, is better like, than the, uh, Vulcan Sarek, who's like, God damn you for not being the perfect Vulcan, the Vulcan child I yeah. wanted. Yeah. Uh, not, yeah, certainly better. And especially, you know, the, and the only part I don't like, it's felt a little out of character, is the like smarmy end to Spock rejecting the invite to the Vulcan Science Academy, right? Yeah. Mm hmm. It, it, I, I almost felt like he was going to say, screw you guys, I'm going to Starfleet at the end. Yeah, well, and we but, can talk you know, about his his portrayal of Spock at the end. Certainly him being bullied and, like, you know, being yeah. looked down on and whatever. I liked that stuff, and then that being the reason he chooses to go to Starfleet instead of, you know, stay there makes perfect sense, so. Yeah. Um, do you think building the Enterprise on the ground makes any sense? No. Building any spaceship on the ground doesn't make any sense. Okay, thank you for... Uh, I tried to think about it. I was like, well, I guess it could lift off under its own power, maybe. So, again, the fact that they have, like... But the weight of it... And, and, so, the weight of it is a problem, right? But this this universe has anti-grav stuff, and so that's... Which is not a thing in real life, right? Yeah. The reason why you don't build spaceships on the ground is because to get a spaceship off the ground, you have to, like, thrust it off. And you know how we get rockets off the ground? Yeah. You have to do that times a lot to get something like the Enterprise up, right? Yeah. And, you know... I mean, they've without... established that you can do it under its own power in later movies, so I guess yes. it makes sense. But, like, to me, the space docks of the original uh, timeline make a lot more sense, where you build it in space. A sufficiently advanced civilization that is capable of building a ship like this would be building it in space. That There's no reason to build something well. this big on Earth. It doesn't make any sense. No, I mean, the reason is because it looked aesthetically pleasing to J.J. Abrams. I know. That's the reason everything in this movie. Uh, what do you think about uh, Kirk getting in a bunch of bar fights because he's in the Midwest? Oh, it's because he doesn't have a dad, right? I mean, in theory. I, that's what they're saying they, about him. They to say that he has no role model and therefore he gets in a bunch of bar fights all the time. Mm-hmm. Do you like being the only genius level candidate in the Midwest or something? Yeah. Is the thing that genius level repeat offender. Oh yeah. That's, that's the phrase. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, if he's so smart and his dad was in Starfleet and he hates his stepdad, wouldn't you think he'd end up in Starfleet anyway? And just wouldn't be you sort think of he a, would just move yeah, out maybe, of the Midwest? Maybe to that anywhere too, huh? good. If yeah. the issue is that he's in the Midwest and the Midwest still sucks in 3077 or whenever Star Trek takes place. Mm -hmm. Which again, like that's kind of funny that the idea that like the Midwest is still a flyover state, even then, even though they're building the giant shipyard there. I don't know how I that works. Yeah. Uh, but like, if he just, if he hates his family is any, cause it seems like he really hates his stepdad, right? Yeah. Like pretty clear. Uh, you could just move 
you know it's and apparently transporters exist so you could probably move very easily yeah uh watching kirk cheat and be a bully and be bullied and the way he like eats an apple and all, i don't um, yeah i don't picture shatner ever having acted that way i know he's doing a uh like a different version of shatner right but he definitely has that moment this Those, is the, the, the like He's like, but the shields are up. Are they? Like yeah. that little that little line. Yeah. I think I, I feel moment, like I want to I, I feel like I like having seen Kirk cheat the Kobayashi Maru. Right, because that's a thing we are told happened. But I also Kirk never did. felt like this is the way that uh Prime Kirk cheated the Kobayashi Maru. I mean, I felt well, I don't know. It's hard to like separate what I think versus what I remember because it's this movie has tainted that, but I feel like something like he changed the programming on. The oh, he definitely changed something. the programming, but like, would the original Kirk have been just like, I'm cheating. Yeah. 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 I think that's certainly the, they did that here to show that this guy is like extremely full of himself, but they didn't need to do it this way. Right. It could have been to show that Kirk is willing to cheat and then also willing to be like, I did this because I believe something else. Yeah, you didn't need to be a smarmy jerk about it, right? Is the issue? Yeah, I think I think that's the difference between this Kirk and other Kirk. Maybe is that this one is a smarmy jerk sometimes. <laughs> I think both of them probably are sometimes. Yeah, but, uh... certainly there are some people who would say Shatner is a smarmy jerk, so I think that's probably. Fair. Yeah, <laughs> I just feel like the other Kirk would have uh, would have changed the program in a believable and just, way, and then when they and were just like, "Hey," it straight, right? and then they're like, "Hey, you changed the program," we'd be like. I sure did. Yeah, the, the idea of him fessing up to it is completely within his character. Absolutely, yeah. It, you know, if they had confronted him at the thing, or at yeah. the trial. Or so after or the trial, I wrote down that I'm not really in love with any of the characters in this movie. Yeah. Like, I don't particularly find them likable, which is weird, considering that they're characters that I love deeply. I think the uh, I think my favorite character is is Bones in this, and he's, he's barely on the screen he, at all. I know. Oh man, I wrote that down at the end about all the side characters except for Sulu. I mean, we could talk about it now if you want. Oh, we're here. I mean, uh, Sulu gets his own little "I'm a fencing joke." I am a fencer joke, right. and then he gets to fight on the platform. Chekhov gets to beam some people up. Uhura yes. finds a transmission. Scotty's only in about a quarter of the movie and he's the I, I comic say, uh, relief. Right. Ohura gets like, because of the scenes of her earlier in Starfleet and stuff or in the Academy and stuff, she gets way more time than Scotty and Sulu and Chekhov combined. Okay. But what do they do with Ohura's time? Tell me. Oh, it's, it's terrible time because it's like her undressing in the bedroom and her talking to her roommate. And then, you know, like, Oh, okay, at one point she's in a lab and talks about I intercepted a Klingon transmission, which becomes relevant. She later. does that while she's undressing. I that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's it's terribly spent. She's there to hug Spock twice. Yeah. That's it. And to like make make Chris Pine's character feel inadequate or sexually or something. I don't I don't have an answer for why and what the heck with all the side characters, but especially Uhura. Yeah. 
They needed a female character that had some presence in the story. Ohura was a great choice. They just did her completely rotten after picking her to Terrible. be the more prominent female character. Okay. Uh, we see the Enterprise for the first time uh, when yeah. they all get called for the emergency. Uh, the emergency, by the way, is lightning in space and earthquakes on Vulcan. Yes. Scramble the fleet. Why is there lightning in space, JJ? Uh, so that Kirk can sense a trap and everyone else is completely oblivious because no one else reads history books, I but guess. But why is there lightning in space? Time travel? But there's no time travel happening. Yeah, there is. Eric Bannis' ship is going to show up. Nope, Eric Bannis' ship has been in this universe since the Kelvin 25 years ago. Okay, see, the way I took that, uh, yes, I understood that he's been in this universe, um, but the the lightning storm is the symptom of the ship showing up again. That was what The lightning storm it. is the symptom of the time travel when they came out of the black hole. He says, that happened on the day of my birth. And then they get more lightning because the ship showed up, but... Later on, Spock explicitly says that Eric Bana has been waiting here for 25 years. Yeah. So why is there lightning in space? Because the ship is coming back. From where? It's already here. Wherever it's been, man. Oh, my God. See, the thing I think... The thing I think that I understood at the time, right? Because you don't know what Spock says later at this point. Sure. Right? It, I understood what? at the time that he had been the, time traveling around for 25 years trying to right. find and Spock. This was, and this was the the most recent time he time traveled to. And it's like, aha, here it is, right? Yep. Yeah. Although, That's... you know, he doesn't look like he has aged 25 years. So maybe Spock is just wrong. He has aged, actually. If you do, they uh, say that this is a. Does he look older? I there is some out of uh, out of movie knowledge that is canon. Uh, if you look at Banna in the first scene and at the in the later scenes, his face has scars all over it, and he's missing an ear. Huh. Uh, and I can tell you some out of movie stuff if you'd like to know it now, or I can wait. Yeah, sure. Whatever. Here we are. So uh, there's a scene later where Spock says he's been here 25 years waiting for me. And you see mm -hmm. an image of Nero like looking like he's like sweating and doing stuff. Uh huh. There is stuff on the cutting room floor. Uh, remember when they talk about how the, the Klingons lost 48 ships or something. Yeah. Yeah. They talked about the, like, Oh, the Klingon armada was destroyed. Nero destroys the armada after he is captured and sentenced, and his entire crew is sentenced to work the mines at Rurapente. Oh. And at Rurapente, he loses an, an ear, and he's attacked by that dog thing from Star Trek VI. Yeah. Uh, and then they escape there, they get their ship, ship back, and they blow up a whole bunch of Klingon fleet as revenge. I see. So he was imprisoned at Rurapente during that time. He was not time-traveling. Okay. It's in the movie as as cut footage. Okay, well then the lightning thing makes no sense whatsoever. I yes, it makes no sense whatsoever. Anyway, it's happening, so yep. uh, might as well go. Okay, uh, do you like the design aesthetic the of the Enterprise? We have to talk about it. Ah, uh, 
I okay. It's so hard to separate this design from the like overly clinically clean and lens flare aesthetic of J.J. Abrams's stuff here. Okay. If the ship itself, let's talk about the outside all, of the ship. Only the sure. outside. I don't think I have too many problems with it. I don't either. I think the only problem I have is why are the phasers mounted on like weird swivelly turret things? I don't know, but that ends up carrying back over to the main universe eventually. In yeah. Discovery. I know. I don't like it. Yeah, I don't know. That's, I, I mean, that's in the my original, the in the original Enterprise and stuff like that, they were in deck-mounted things, and I mean, that made more sense, right? Yeah. It's just like a a big, long area where the phasers could happen. Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. It, I don't have any problems, really, with the ship as it is designed and looks. Okay. Exterior-wise, I don't mind it too much. Yeah. Interior. With all the pipes I, everywhere and the bridge being completely clean of pipes. Yeah, so I think the bridge I'm mostly okay with. Yeah. I don't like the, like, sterile medical room look, but I think it's fine for a space thing. It There've certainly been looks like you'd slip on the floor. Yeah. It, and, like, when you uh, knocked your elbow on the ground, they would, like, need to have someone come out and clean it up because it's going to, like, dirty the white tile. You know what they have? They have <laughs> one of those guys from uh, NBA just standing on the bridge with the little with the, uh, the mop. The mop, yeah. Yeah, because, oh, you sweat on the ground. Oh, gosh, we got to wipe this up. Ah. <laughs> um, the pipe stuff and the, the way engineering looks is maybe slightly more realistic to how something engineering-wise would look, but mm -hmm. it's unbelievably stupid. I just, it doesn't look like cool space engineering. You want it to look like cool space engineering. It just looks like a corridor in a steam plant. Yeah. It, it, you know what it looks like? It looks like, in some instances, the foundry from Terminator 2. It's not good. It's not good. I don't think I have a problem with the medical bay for like the three seconds we're shown that either. No, medical bay is fine. But engineering is real dumb. What about the change to the aesthetic of going to warp? Uh, yeah, again, eh, you know. All this stuff is fake, so whatever. <laughs> yeah, I actually, I don't mind it that much. I, yeah, I don't, I don't hate it. It's like, fine. And we're a bullet. I'm like, okay, yeah. that's fine. Okay, whatever. sure. Doesn't bother you me. You know, the idea that warp is warping space as opposed to the ship itself changing. Yeah, you know, they make it look cool. They stretch it out or whatever. Yeah, sure, whatever. Yeah. Pike says, let's punch it because J.J. Uh, Abrams loves Star Wars more than Star Trek. Which he physically said, this is why he made this movie. It's because he wanted to make Star Wars. Uh, so he steals uh, Han's line and makes huh. Pike... Oh, how that went later. <laughs> makes Pike say, punch it. Uh, by the way, I looked this up. Uh, in the original series, Pike says, engage. Yeah, interesting. I and was going to say, I didn't know what he said originally. In, in Discovery, Anson Mount says, hit it. Right. I've, we've heard him say, hit it. Yeah. Uh, an original Pike said, engage interesting yeah yeah okay i think the yeah i don't know i don't have any more to say about this i i like uh, eric banna i don't know about you but like when <laughs> when they show up and they finally uh the whole fleet's been destroyed and pike's like i'm christopher pike and you're in violation and blah 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 and banna comes on he's like hi christopher i'm nero uh i laugh it's intentional. It's intending to be funny, 
I, I know. I, and I, I find it, it funny. Grating. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I think it funny. I, I think Banna's character in general, I find grating, not because of the way he's acted, but because of the scenes that he's given. Like you don't get to, you don't get until like way later. You don't, and all told by other people than him. Gee, you it's don't like there was story. a portion of the movie they cut out where you would have gotten his story. Yeah, man. I'm just saying. Like that it's maybe hard they should have kept the crap scenes in Rurapente. Yeah. Uh, what we could have had if yeah. we didn't have to be an action movie with a weird... Andrew, what we left behind. What we left behind on the cutting room floor. All right. Uh, we already moved past why is there a lightning storm in space. Why yes, would you promote a cadet that is currently on uh, probation to XO? <laughs> I have yeah. no idea. But Pike nope. is Pike and he does whatever he wants. Uh, they jump down to the thing. Olsen wears a red spade suit, which I thought was a good joke. Uh, yeah, I, I just wrote, like, red shirt Olsen, R.I.P. <laughs> yeah, he's already in the ship, and you know, right? Like, they're making yeah, him all amped up. As soon as I up. saw him, as soon as I saw him, I'm like, oh, dude, he's wearing it's a very. Red that's red. a very good joke. <laughs> very good joke. It was It was good. One of the, like, better homages that they've done here. Yep. Uh, we've already started on the from the future stuff. Uh, so we'll skip past the whole battle. They blow up Vulcan. Which is fine. Again, uh, timeline-wise versus alternate reality-wise, you've got to start to wonder how they were going to oh, make hey, it all work. I, I have another question. Why sure. is the interior of Eric Bana's ship all wet? Because uh, it's a drilling ship, man. And so it's wet? I, all the floors are covered like in an inch of water? Because it's a drilling ship, and drilling things need water for friction. Even though the drill is comes down and comes down out. and is made out of something else <laughs> and it okay cool i just want to make sure everyone saw this that there's like an inch deep of water everywhere, everywhere yeah. in that ship uh-huh. for no reason why is it and what happens if they lose gravity that water is chaos why i mean the this it, we'll get to this later there's more out of universe out of movie universe knowledge about that ship that you don't know it doesn't uh, explain why it's wet it explains some stuff about it. It doesn't explain why it's wet, and it doesn't explain the geometry of the ship at all. But it explains Which some again, aesthetics we'll, of the ship. We'll come. We'll come back and talk about the uh, geometry of the ship. Uh-huh. I think I know what you're about to say about the ship, though, in oh. terms of its like out of universe stuff. Right? Is that he's been like modifying it over like 20 years and adding and stealing technology and uh, stuff? No, right? uh-uh. it has to do with when I'm going to blow your mind at the end. Oh, okay. Well, I guess we'll get there. Yeah. Uh, okay, they shoot him out in a pod instead of beaming him directly to the Starfleet base. Yes, again, doesn't make any sense. Why would you do that? Because you have to run across the ice and do some stupid thing with an ice monster that is not has tiny little feet instead of feet that would have evolved on an ice planet. Yep. Uh, uh, this comedy relief stuff is useless. I hate it. I hate that Scotty shows up. Hold on, up. before that, though, it's most oh. important that we have Nimoy show up so he can Spock. give us the, the I just, explanation. I skipped right dump. over it, because who cares? Yes, but it, they have to lore dump you somewhere, and this is when they do it. Yeah, lore dump happens with Spock. Uh, yeah, the, okay. Now I actually like the mind movie. meld scene. Um, no, that was good, but I'm just saying that literally the only reason Nimoy is here is to tell you okay, the Okay, so, so JJ, since we're here, because we're going to have to talk about it later, why is Spock in the past, buddy? 
uh, Nero captured him. Nope. And so then he wants to torture him so that he can see all the bad things Nero is going to do to other people. Because what happened? Why was the sun went supernova and destroyed Romulus? Yes. Where else have you heard that before? Picard. Picard. Just hang on to that for later. Okay. Why not I think be- you're drawing some parallels that don't exist, but all right, I let's think- let's keep going. All right, let's keep going. <laughs> I, I'm 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 awaiting the explosion of my mind. I'm awaiting it. It's not a good explosion. Maybe I'm not saying it's good. I, the water pipe chase is stupid. It's a waste of it's time. Make a better dumb. movie. Make a better movie. I agree. Uh huh. Uh, coming out of Titan is the scene. Also, was- wait, hold on. Mm. Uh, lens flares. Lens flares. Uh, Spock gets relieved from duty from himself because he goes ape. Uh, and I wrote somewhere uh, during that water pipe chase scene. I'm like, this ship is a flying OSHA violation. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Like the, this is what I'm talking about. Would walk uh, like random pipes. You have to jump over and like, who would design this this way? Just walking down the, down the corridor you're gonna trip over a pipe that's like well not, this is what, what i'm talking about he doesn't have any establishment i can tell you i could draw a picture for you of the enterprise a the enterprise d and the enterprise e engine rooms all of them from memory yeah because i know exactly how they were set up they were clear they were concise they were well designed. You could see everything. You could see how the rooms connected. And this is just a mess of pipes so that they can just yeah. say, we're doing this magic thing over here now. Now we're doing this magic thing over here. And look, the pipes are pipes. Yeah, it's dumb. It's just so they don't have to make anything make sense. I hate it. And, all the, and then later, the turbo lift scenes are also insane and stupid. Yeah. Uh, so the scene I was talking about without lens flare that is gorgeous is when they warp into the uh, Titan, the mm. the moon of Titan, and then the ship pushes out of the clouds and pushes through the uh, the rings of Saturn. Yeah, or it was whatever. it was yeah. gorgeous. That is a really good looking scene. You're right. Yeah. Uh, also, okay. the music is rad there. Still, we talked about the music being rad, but it's extremely rad at that point. Yeah. Uh, yes. Extremely rad music again, Michael yes. Giacchino. Yes. Uh, so then we finally get a plan, but we don't, as the audience know the whole plan because they have to surprise us. Uh, and now we finally, I want to be fair is like, it's not like that's not a thing that's done in other movies too. Sure. It's just, it's just the least elegant of the ways to do this. Right. It's fine to tell me your plan. Cause then I'm nervous that the plan's not working. Well, but that would then imply that they didn't have a foolproof plan. Right. Uh, it's dumb. I this is a bad way to this is a bad way to create a surprise, right? Yeah. <sighs> because in theory, all none of the actors in the scene should ever be surprised by it because they already know what's going to happen. They weren't surprised. And yeah, anyway, yeah. all right. None of them acted surprised at any point in time. Which again, good because they know so we're supposed to be surprised. So do you like the, the way that the Federation phasers fire more like bullets instead of like pew, like long lasers? Um, I don't know. I feel like didn't disruptors work this way on like next generation? Yes. Okay, whatever. Yeah, no, I'm I'm fine with the change. I don't care. Yeah, it's 
laser guns aren't real, so who cares? Yeah. <laughs> Your laser gun can't hurt me. Yeah. Uh, the it's fine. The the like less or maybe well, I don't know. I guess it is a little less believable because that's not how light would work. But they also don't say that the phasers are using light anymore, right? Whereas they explicitly called them like lasers at some point. Yeah. In old Star Trek, they don't ever do that here. So right. whatever. Yeah. I love the uh, "I got your gun" moment. <laughs> yeah. He's like, well, you can't even speak. And he lets him loose. He's like, "I got your gun." Gun. That's very Kirk. That, very Kirk. Yes. That whole fight scene, actually, with Kirk and that guy, uh, is very Kirk. It's like you know, Spock is over there doing a mind meld thing, and Kirk is like, "All right, I got to fight off all these guys." Pew pew pew. You know, it's like <laughs> Wild West standoff kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, you couldn't follow anything that's happening in it because it's cutting around every three seconds, but you know, it's still a, it's a good character moment for him in the middle of an action scene, which is, yeah. Uh, I praise I, the parts I, that are praised. Ail, A-I-I-L. That's his, the guy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, okay. So we got to talk about the layout of this, uh, Romulan bridge. We haven't talked about it yet. Okay, good. Andrew, Cause that's kind of the next, why is yeah. there a giant open pit in the middle of the starship that goes, an unfathomably long distance down such that when people fall, they will help scream. Uh, the only thing I could think of is because <laughs> is because I love that. Just, I don't just, think there I actually was a will. No, because it's exactly there the same a- scene you get in star Wars from it. Here's the reason it was shot this way because in star Wars, it's like that. And J.J. Abrams and loves Star, Star Wars, Wars. is a battle station that is the size of a moon. I understand. This is a I'm telling ship you. I'm telling you. The size of. Uh, if I were making this movie and I wanted to have that scene, I would have a clear establishing shot that would have proven to you that that was some sort of cargo bay for all the stuff we were mining. Sure, and then it would be fine. Yep, and instead, it's just a knockoff of of Star like, Wars. Actually, scenes. hey, or they could have just even said like. This ship is mostly hollow because it uses to store all the mining material sure. there. You, and so you all know, these you could have balconies. Done! Done! That's all you had to say! You could have done that. You could have done that during the time when we stand on the bridge like we would in any other Star Trek movie. Every other Star Trek movie. And we say, this is exactly the plan. That ship is mostly hollow on the inside. So, we can steal the... the the future ship. We can fly it around inside there, mess it up on the inside, fly out and ch- have him chase us. And then we like show up with the enterprise. This, all of yeah. that. And, could then have you, been and, explained. Then you dramatic, and then you could have dramatic tension. Something about that is something not in this movie yes. about like Jeez. them trying to steal the ship. It's like, sure. oh, there are guards. We didn't plan on a rotation to the guards now. Oh no. Or, well, ah, Spock is that. chained down. It's going to take us some time to free him. You have or, that oh, moment this- a little bit when they're, when Scotty's like, I'm going to drop you in the cargo bay. There won't be a soul in sight. And then they, uh, that's not, they, that but was it, comedic effect though, because they were doing like a joke. It's like, there won't be a soul in sight if this ship has any sense. And then he teleports him in the middle of the bridge and you're just like, yeah, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a lot of it starts to not, it, it all breaks down. Like, there's a black hole developing in the middle of the ship and the first reaction from the science officer isn't like we should back up the enterprise from the black hole instead we're gonna go closer to it so we can shoot nero's ship which will obviously fall apart inside the black hole yeah uh also how did they not lose like 250 years in time dilation 
Uh, that's not how black holes work here. I see. So, okay. Well, uh, because how did that not happen the first time they went through the black hole? Or the second time? Or, you know, because they the ejected times? the warp core, maybe it sent them back forward the 100 years or something. Yeah, no. They, they just don't have time dilation in this movie. That's just not a thing. And I don't recall other Star Trek having and doing the time dilation thing. No, they don't. Although they don't mess with black holes too frequently, but I feel like when they do, they stay far away from them. Right. Yeah. Far enough that you wouldn't be in like the near the event horizon and stuff. Anyway, Spock talks to Spock. Yep. Um, Spock on Spock action. If we follow the discovery timeline, Spock will eventually die Uh because he's in the wrong reality. Oh, oh, sorry. Yeah, the, uh, the remember Giorgio had to leave because uh, that's mirror universe. Though you don't know this is a this is time travel, not mirror universe stuff. This is not. Ti- it can't be time travel. <laughs> I'm using the movie's own logic here, man. They say it's time travel. That's true. Uh, and then Tyler Perry makes uh, Kirk captain after three years at the academy. Yes. Kirk said he would do it in three. Yep. Okay, guy. Are you ready? R.I.P. Leonard Nimoy. R.I.P. Leonard Nimoy. Uh, also, some more lens flares. And the dress uniforms look kind of, like, vaguely fascist, and I don't like it. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't like the uniforms the, at all. The dress uniforms specifically. I don't really I, like I'm many less, of the uniforms. I don't like that the... Uh, I'm less mad about the other ones. Well, the yellow shirts and all those are all little... They have little Starfleet logos on them, and it bothers me. Okay. I, I'm not. I don't particularly like those either, but I just really don't like the dress ones. Sure. Okay. All right. My mind is fully prepared in its cranial space to strapped in. Do you know JJ who wrote this film? Uh, no. His name is Alex Kurtzman. Oh, really? Are you ready? I I know <laughs> who that is. <laughs> Lead I don't on, like where this is going. Lead on Star Trek Discovery and Star Trek Picard, Alex Kurtzman. Uh Alex Kurtzman, who has is basically the driving uh creative yep. in the Star Trek universe at this point. Welcome so, to the Kurtzmanverse, buddy. Start, is this where that started? This is where this begins. This is his first Star oh, Trek so, writing experience. I so think. he ruined it here he and starts continued here. ruining it since. Well he starts he starts it here and then eventually has to go like Hmm. I have to I bridge all the damage I've done in those other movies now that I have these TV shows. So he now directly connects Star Trek through Picard to this film by having Star Trek Picard start with the exact moment. And in the last best hope, Spock says he's going to help the Romulan people and then disappears. Hmm. They assume he's killed in the supernova trying to help the Romulan people. Interesting. And so this is directly the result of what, you know, happens off screen before Picard starts because Kurtzman is now writing that stuff. There's a delete, like I said, there's the deleted scenes with Rurapente. And when you find, there's a, there's a comic. See, they should have, okay, right, sorry, I'm going to talk about Rurapente for a sec. They should have kept the Rurapente scenes in just because it's a fun throwback to Star Trek VI. Yeah. Even if, who cares even if they cut most of it because they don't want 
Eric Bana in the movie as much or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like they should they should have left him because it's a cool homage. That's like a better homage than they did a lot of the other stuff that they did. Yeah. All right. Sorry. Continue. Um, there's a comic, I guess, that Kirk Kurtzman also was kind of like helping to navigate the stuff. I don't think he wrote it, wrote it, but he like did the same. He's the showrunner for the universe now. Right. So, right. right. Uh, where you find out that Nero knows all this stuff about everybody. Like, Oh, I killed Kirk's dad. And like, Oh, I know exactly how to destroy Romulus. And I know how to use the red matter and all this stuff because Nero contacted V'ger what and uh what was the main point of that star trek uh season or Picard season one ais are bad ais are bad and the the borg yeah uh this ship apparently was modified with borg technology from the cube i see which is why it was not destroyed by the black hole okay Yep. Well, I don't like any of that. Uh, so I'm going to choose to not have heard it and uh, keep my low opinion of this movie slightly higher for not knowing it. <laughs> also, the Romulans all have tattoos, which right, they don't I did see that, which they don't normally, uh, because apparently in Romulan just, society, it is it was already canon that they paint themselves when somebody dies. But since they couldn't get their planet back, they tattooed the paint on themselves. This is all stuff that I okay. found out later about like why everything's different but the same. And they like I, they worked backwards that, to push all this stuff back in. That at least I don't hate, unlike the rest of everything you just said. Yeah. But there's a lot of the things that people complain about, and it's like, okay, there's I mean, apparently think, a lot of reasons. I think the real the real revelation here is Alex Kurtzman is the worst and has ruined Star Trek. Is <laughs> I don't know if I would say that d- directly. I mean, we don't like the direction Discovery has been going. Yeah, that's true. We don't like... Although, I mean, I guess he also then approved Lower Decks, which we like quite a lot. So Yeah, I don't know how much work he does on Lower Decks, to be honest. I Clearly none, because the show is good. Boom! Yeah. Um, yeah, it is interesting to know that this is his origin uh, in this universe. Uh sucks for us i guess but yeah i'm pretty sure he has very little to do because mike mccann mick mick mahan well he you would have had to approve it though right like it's not like they could just do whatever they want in his universe without him saying so i don't know man i they're not they're so not connected right it's mostly like just post next gen era so it's not like he's gonna be they're gonna be messing around too much yeah i guess that's true I don't know. That well, uh, is interesting because I totally didn't recognize the idea that they were tying this movie back in, or I guess the the whole timeline in a way because of that. They, I but mean, mostly it, this movie. It it now solidifies that this is badly done, right? Like, not only right. not only was it like, no, it needs to be an alternate universe. Like, you have to work within the framework yeah. of the stuff you've established, and like Kurtzman knows this. Because he's got the no, mirror he universe. Care. He's got mirror universe he stuff care. in his own show. He doesn't care. That's the problem, right? The problem is he 
the decision was made to call this a like alternate timeline and not an alternate universe. And so now he's just like, well, it's an alternate timeline, so we have to like justify the timeline stuff. And, and so, yeah. And so Picard deals with the issue of that they created in this movie. So it explains why Picard was so bad, is what you're saying. This movie was bad, so that's why Picard was bad. Makes sense. <laughs> it's just a weird setup to say, like, okay, remember that guy from that movie that his planet was destroyed? Like, we should start Picard with that thing that I made in that movie for JJ Abrams. And people are like, yeah, let's do it. Instead of like, "Mm, maybe we should ignore that. Yeah. That's the thing, right? This movie was, I think it did. Okay. Right. It like they made money. People, people loved it. So I can see why you think that like, ah, this was a good thing. People liked it. I should call back to this thing. But when you're making a show called Picard, you want to assume yeah. that those people didn't like this. <laughs> I don't the know. The audience for that, right? Although, you know, based on a bunch of the other decisions they made in Picard, I don't think they actually care at all what longtime fans of the series think and really probably I mean, actively don't want them to watch in some instances. Someone out there loves loves it. I'm... They wouldn't have done, of course, right? Certainly the people making these shows must have some level of love for it because you don't have to, you wouldn't be willing to put up with the amount of work that making a TV show requires, like insane hours, crazy, crazy work if you didn't have some love for the thing, right? So not to like question the people working on the show or whatever, but the the showrunners and the people making the creative decisions at the top I question whether they understand why people like it. And I'm pretty sure the answer is no, because if they did, they wouldn't do some of the things that they do. <laughs> I have to imagine that's semi-correct. Uh, I don't know. And, and maybe I'm, and maybe I'm wrong. And there's a large contingent of people out there who really love discovery. And they think the direction that star Trek has been going since, you know, since this movie even <laughs> is, is the right way to do it. But I, I don't think that's true, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Yeah. Unfortunately, because we're curious about everything and love Star Trek in general, uh, like we said, I mean, something, a lot of discovery, just like, yeah, I love Star Trek, so I'm still watching it. Yeah. Uh, and, and we add to the numbers. And to be clear, like, I, I don't think the, I know there are a lot of people complaining about discovery for a lot of reasons. The reasons I don't like discovery or have disliked the parts of discovery that I've watched have nothing to do with any of the characters. Well, the way the characters are treated, maybe, but who the characters are is not the reason I don't like that show. Yeah. It has everything to do with the plotting and the way the stories are told, which have nothing to do with who is telling them or who the people are. Yeah. Well, it's just logical sense sometimes just doesn't get followed. Yes. Please spend an extra week in the writing room to make sure that your plots connect and make sense. <laughs> Beyond a surface level, please. Just just an extra week. You could be doing before, you know, before you start the shooting or whatever, or while you're you're building the sets, you know, just have those guys or whoever people, women, whoever is in that room, just have them sit down and be like, so A, B, and C, these are the things we're doing. Do these follow like this? Does this actually make any sense? They just go back and ask those questions. It'll it'll help. 
why would this character do this? Ask that question a lot more often than you are currently. Hard not to agree with that. But thankfully, we don't have to worry about that here on this movie because lens flares. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lens flare everywhere. Okay. Well, I think we made our point. I liked yeah. it sometimes, but overall I don't find it to be It is a something I uh, would go out of my way to enjoy all the time. Right. It is an enjoyable movie for turning off your brain and not attempting to think about how anything makes any sense. Yeah, uh, sure. But all of the loved, all the beloved side characters are badly shortchanged in this movie, and it's sad because I want to see more of them, and they're not in it. And I think even as spoiler alert, which maybe we will never do, who knows, but the future movies don't improve this either and you don't get more of them there i don't know i i have to imagine and i can't i've seen them both right obviously like i've seen both of those movies i know the third one is like mostly that new they add like a new character or two yeah and kirk running around doing action movie stuff while the crew Mm -hmm. is imprisoned um yeah. so that one's not like super crew heavy but i think the second one is a little more crew heavy i i forget a lot about that second no wait one. it isn't because they it isn't it's because they go to Spock. they don't and, take the enterprise with them because they go to klingon space which looks way different than every other klingon space oh my gosh i have to rewatch that movie and see if the klingons look like the klingons from discovery I don't think they do. I don't think they do either. They, do, they don't look like the next generation Klingons, but they don't look like the ones who are Discovery. I would like to see if maybe I'm imagining it, but maybe do the Klingon ships from Discovery look kind of like this drill ship? Is he saying because they mm-hmm. captured this ship, that's why the ships look different than the original ships? No, that can't mm-hmm. be right because this is an alternate timeline and Discovery's in the prime timeline. Yeah. Ugh. Kurtzman. Kurtzman! Yeah. Woof. Woof indeed. And because Abrams wasn't really a fan of Star Trek, he didn't look at the script and go, this doesn't make any sense. Yep. You know? I don't have much else to say. (laughs) Yeah. All right, we need to pick something positive for next time because I feel like two times, three times in a row now we've we've struggled towards the end. Well, there's going to be a bunch of Lower Decks episodes by the next time. Oh, we that's true. There will be, huh? How many episodes for this Lower Decks season? I lower think... Decks, Lower Decks, season I two say... of Lower Decks. Ten? So we do no, like it's going to be first... more than ten. Uh... Ten last time, wasn't it? You are completely right. Ten episodes. And yeah, runs, it was ten last time, so why would it be different? It this runs time? until October though. Yeah. So that's a long run of ten episodes. That's gonna have to have breaks. Because that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Oh no, no, no. That's well, no, lines no. up exactly. No, so, maybe it doesn't. 
I don't know. So episode two is out as of the recording of this, which is the 20th of August and four, five, one, two, three, seven, four, eight, five, nine, 10 ends you August or October 15th. That's so correct. That's, that's correct. So it's 10 in a row. Okay. There. 10 in so a row. You could watch more or less the first half. If we do another one of these mid or late September, we could do that. Talk about five episodes of lower decks. Yeah. And that will be at least uh, fun because that show is fun. That show is great so far. Yeah. I don't know about season two. We haven't started it yet. Yeah. I haven't started it. So I have nothing to say about season two, but if, if all they do is just the continuing adventures of this group, it will be great. So I have <laughs> seen that was fun. I have seen some pictures uh, from Instagram, and I can tell you some things are uh, Riker returns along with the Titan. So they don't well, just yeah. I mean, how could well they don't just didn't drop that storyline. Didn't he get transferred to it? At exactly. The end of the... But my fear, oh, yeah. my fear was that they would just drop the storyline and explain why he was back on the Cerritos. Oh, I see. Okay. They'd uh, be like, oh, and he got summarily demoted. Kicked off. Yeah, exactly. It, yeah. Uh, but no, apparently the Titan starts the season. Uh, okay. And Tom Paris has returned, apparently. Uh, that is a great pick for a person to bring back. Not because... Uh, I have like special love for Voyager or anything. I don't think I have any special love for it. It's perfectly fine. Star Trek. Uh huh. I think Tom Paris uh, was on my pick for cruise. My bridge crew. He was, yeah. you, I'm pretty sure he was. I'm pretty sure you had him, but I'm saying that he's a, he's like, he's a a liked character from Star Trek that like, isn't in stuff anymore. He's a liked <laughs> character so from Star Trek that the fans, like the fan fans will be like, it's Tom Paris. Yeah. Exactly. I was just going to say it's a great callback to a thing. People be like, "Oh my god, that's Tom Paris," and then he's not in stuff anymore. I don't feel too much, right? And so it's like a, it's you know, it's good to see that guy getting some work, right? Yeah. Uh, Robert Beltran said that uh, Chicote is coming back to uh, to Prodigy, okay, along with Jane. So Wei. that, so that show is the one I'm not sure if I'm going to watch or not. I'll have to. St- I'll have to try it. I can't I not. Know, you don't have to, man. I can report back. This is the this is the same thing that happened with Star Wars. Is the like they made these shows for kids, and then I noped out of those, and I think I made the right choice there. Okay. And I, and then people come back later, and they're like, "Oh, the Clone Wars was so good. You should have watched." Here's it. what happens with every single one of those shows, and Bad Batch is less so this way, but not entirely not this way. It starts out for kids and the show gets older as the kids get older, right? So kids that start watching something when they're seven are 14 when it ends. And so the show is for 14 year olds by the end. And it's dealing with issues that you as an adult would be like, that was good. But like the first three seasons with rebels and clone wars and all the others are annoyingly for children. Um, Whereas for bad batch, it's like one episode where they're like, this kid is the kid that kids relate to. And then they stopped doing that almost immediately. The Orco of yeah. Star Trek, Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, uh, although I'm pretty sure the he man is the one that the kids are supposed to relate to in that show. But anyway, uh, that's very true. Based on that documentary, that's what they wanted. That's why they chose. I have the power, right? 
Yes. Because they wanted kids to feel like they had personal uh, responsibility. And they have the power to do stuff. So, all right. Well, I'm uh, anxiously awaiting to be able to watch more Lower Decks because I liked that first season quite a lot. And I think we talked about... Did we talk about it on this subspace transmission? We talked about it on a subspace transmission, right? What? Lower Decks? We must have. Oh, we've talked about it on a subspace transmission that we like. You mean okay. that we're going to watch it? Oh, no. I meant that, like, did we did we cover, like, the whole first season in one episode or something? I believe we, break it we broke it into, you know what? That's really easy. If you go on YouTube.com uh, mm. for the listener, if you go on YouTube.com yes, and you put in we were gamers one word for some insane reason mm-hmm. uh, into the search bar. There's a little handy, uh, like, playlist there. You can just listen to them there if you wanted to. It's extremely true. Uh, Lower so Decks was this. one episode, episode 24. We did okay. it all in one go because we had Discovery that we were watching. Right. We were watching Discovery while Lower Decks was airing, and then we did Lower Decks after we had wrapped it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think maybe we break it into two parts here. Okay. I think that's sensible. That is sensible. Let's do it. Great. <laughs> so thank you, Star Trek, for providing us Star Trek that we like to watch. <laughs> you know, Picard season two is gonna have to be very different than season one. Thank goodness. I will see. I don't know. Yeah. If it's another I, I have to save the universe again, I I'm probably gonna peace out. Yeah, I can't can't blame you but you know the the amount of cameos we've been promised in season two are very high is is high Guinan, yeah uh several others who i remember but i don't remember off the top of my head right now so oh q right q was the other big one q and Guinan to me means that there's still more borg stuff to do kind of feels like that right that's kind of that's Guinan's thing for sure and q Q right q's the one that introduces card to the borg he takes them across it's the true. universe he's like yeah. hey check it out these people are coming for you like, look at this look at this stuff and he's like i don't want to look at this stuff and he's like all right fine did q instigate the invasion of the alpha quadrant by the borg by taking him out there maybe we should watch that episode and just think about it yeah or do some research it's possible could be all right. Well, Lower Decks next time. Folks who want to watch along, uh, enjoy that Lower Decks because I think we will, and we will talk about it on the next Subspace Transmission. And if you want to follow our YouTube, which Andrew helpfully showed you, there's playlists of all the various subpods broken out. You can just go watch 15 hours of Subspace Transmission or Carbon Scoring or the main We Were Gamers and, uh, or Component Class even if you just want to watch that for some reason. Hey, uh, yeah. So check those out on YouTube. Search for We Were Gamers, all one word. Really helpful. Hit subscribe. That'd be great. You can also send us email. Uh, that's podcast at wewergamers.com. Uh, we will happily read those from you. Uh, I mean, you can try to send us hot takes about this movie, but I'm pretty sure we covered it. If you, if you, so. yeah, I mean, if you love it, you defend it. And uh, we take all it, arguments and we really do like listen. I, I don't never yuck somebody's yum. But, like, there's a lot of stuff here that, like, I would love to debate, right? I mean, if someone yeah. thinks and, it's good. Yeah, and, you know, as we said, 
the movie on its own merits mate was very popular and made a good amount of money and as i said at the time when i saw it it wasn't like i didn't hate it i had a good time i just think that in the larger oeuvre of star trek in general it struggles it struggles uh, please send us email about that to podcast at weweregamers.com. We will happily uh, read all of that. And we are on YouTube and Facebook and Instagram on all those places. Search for We Were Gamers. I'll have some funny pictures to post from uh, What the Golf. I'll put them up on Instagram. Excellent. Uh, and we will be back soon. <laughs> <laughs>